0: All right, we're going to continue looking at the topic, what is the righteous requirement of the law? Last week, we left off talking about serving God with all of our heart and with all of our soul, and we actually left off talking about what is scripture because Acts 24:14 Paul said that he believed all things which were written in the law and in the prophets. And then we went to Luke 24 and what did we learn about the Law and the Prophets? The Law and the Prophets teach about Messiah. Messiah. Then we looked at how in Luke 24 it talks about all the Law, the Prophets, the Psalms. Messiah called them the Scriptures. And we learned from Second Timothy chapter 4 that all Scripture is good for what? Doctrine, reproof. Correction and Instruction in Righteousness. That's Torah, chapter, chapter 3. Sorry, That's Torah. Instruction in Righteousness. That's Torah. And then we looked at John 10 that says, and Scripture cannot be broken. So if Scripture cannot be broken, then that's how Paul is able to stand before Felix and say, I believe all things which are written in the Law and the Prophets. So that's how he's able to serve him with all of his heart and all of his soul. So we were looking at, um, at the, what is the righteous requirement of the law. So we started with Deuteronomy 10. So let's look at Deuteronomy 10 verses 12 and 13. It says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God of the the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good so we looked at what it means to fear the Lord what it means to walk in all of his ways what it means to love him what it means to serve him and that's where we left off last week so let's look at revelation 22 Still looking at the topic of what it means to serve Him. The word serve comes from the Hebrew word avad. And avad is where we get the word evid, which means to be a slave or a servant. So when you work or when you serve God, you're doing His work. What work are you doing for Him? You're keeping His commandments. So Revelation 22, starting in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. Revelation 22 is at the new heavens and the new earth. So this is about as far future as you can get. Future into eternity. It says, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, cr- clear as crystal, proceeding from the thrones of God. Nope. Oh, what does it say right there? The, throne, the singular. throne singular of God and of the Lamb. How many thrones are there? One, one throne. So it says the the throne of God and of the Lamb. It doesn't have two thrones. It is the throne. Verse 2 In the middle of its street and on the either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Verse 3 And there will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve who? Him. Him. It doesn't say them. It says him. Him. So how many gods do we have? We have one God. We have one God. So when Yeshua in John chapter 10 said, I and my Father are Echad, are one, he literally meant one. There's one God. And it says his servants shall serve him doesn't say any his servants shall serve other gods. At this point, all idolatry is gone. All idolatry is done. So God expects us to serve him with all of our heart, all of our soul, even into eternity future. That's the expectation of God. All right, so now Let's shift our focus and let's start looking at what it means to keep His commandments. So, tonight during the Oneg, Wayne mentioned about keeping His commandments. And I said, it's going to come up tonight in tonight's teaching. Well, here it is. So, we're going to talk about what it means to keep His commandment. The word keep is the Hebrew word shamar. S-H-A-M-A-R, shamar. And that's Hebrew word in the Strong's Concordance, 8104. So, shamar means to keep, to guard, to protect. So, when we keep His commandments, it's not enough just to think about doing them. You keep them sacred. You're you're holding them near and dear to your heart. It's your heart's desire to keep them. If you keep His commandments and it's your heart's desire... What are you going to do? You're going to love the Lord. You're going to want to walk in all His ways. So all of the things that we've mentioned so far about fearing the Lord, serving the Lord, it's all one package. You can't separate one from the other. So let's start in Exodus 16. Exodus 16 is special in particular because it mentions the Sabbath before Exodus 20. So if anybody says the Ten Commandments is the first mention of the Sabbath, you can say, nope, it's Exodus 16 is where it's mentioned before that. And even before that is Genesis 2. Exodus 16. Verses 27 and 29. How many times is the Sabbath mentioned in Exodus 16? A lot. So here we are smack dab in the middle of the discussion about the Sabbath. Verse 27, it says, Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day together, but they found none. Found none what? Manna. Manna. Because what did God tell them? Did he say, will there be be manna on the seventh day? No. There will be a double portion on which day? day On the day before so when the people go out on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, to collect manna, what are they showing? Disrespect. They're showing unbelief. unbelief. They're la- showing a lack of faith. They're showing a lack of faith. Because God said when you go out, you're not going to find any. So look at God's response. Do you think He's going to say, well, that's okay. They just disobeyed my commandment. That'll be okay. No. Verse 28. And the Lord said to Moses, "How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws?" Now, wait a minute. This is Exodus 16, right? When do most people think that the commandments were given? Exodus 20. Exodus chapter 20. So, here's God right here telling Moses, "How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath; therefore, he gives you on the sixth day, bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out on his, of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So this is before the giving of the Ten Commandments. And what is God telling Moses? He's saying, these people refuse to keep my commandments. Now, can we trace this concept back even farther? Yes. Genesis 26 how did, how did Abraham prove his faith to God? Ah, let's go back to Genesis 26. Yes, he bound Isaac. But, at, but when the blessing was being passed to Isaac, and God was talking to Isaac, how did he commend Abraham? Genesis 26 Starting in verse 4. This is the Lord talking to, to Isaac. It says, And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because, here's why, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So how did Abraham demonstrate his faith? Did he say, God, yeah, I know you exist, I know you're up there, but I'm not going to do a thing that you say. What does the book of James say? He says, even the demons believe and tremble, but are they saved? No, they're not saved. So what makes the difference here? How did Abraham prove that his faith was real? Obedience. Obedience. He did what God told him to do. He did what God told him to do. He kept his charge, his commandments, his statutes, and his laws. And that word is Torah. Let's go to Deuteronomy 5. There are all kinds of places that we can look inside of just the first five books about keeping his commandments. Deuteronomy 5. Look at verse 10. Deuteronomy 5.10. This is the retelling of the Ten Commandments. Is it a new set of Ten Commandments? Nope. No. So when Moses is speaking to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy and he's telling them you need to keep the commandments of God, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, is he saying, now here's a new set of commandments that I want you to keep. No. Nope. He didn't he did not give them a new set of commandments. Deuteronomy means what? Second law. The second law. Was there a different law? Was there a new law? No. It was the second giving of the same law. When Moses broke the tablets at the foot of Mount Sinai, and God had him carve out new stone and take it up to the top of the mountain again, what did God write on or have Moses actually write on it again? The very same words. The same words. The same exact words. So, Deuteronomy 5, start at verse 9. Verse 10 is the key. It says, You shall not bow down to them, talking about idols, nor serve them. That means do their work. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, thousands of generations To those who love me and what? Keep my commandments. That word is shamar. So, those who keep my commandments. Those who guard my commandments. Those who treat them as valuable. He said, I will show mercy to thousands of generations. Stay in Deuteronomy 5 and go to verse 29. Verse 29. It says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me, talking about the Lord, and always keep all of my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children, how long? Forever. Forever. Do you see the word always? Kol ha Kol ha Kol literally means all of the days. Are there only days on this earth or are there days in eternity future, in the new heavens, in the new earth, in the millennial kingdom? So in these days and in the days to come. So how long are we expected to fear the Lord and keep His commandments? Just all of the days. Just all of the days. As long as there are days. Yes, ma'am? What does it mean Be well? That it might be well with them? Okay. Think about Deuteronomy 28. When they turn away from serving the Lord. Let's, tur- let's turn to Deuteronomy 28 to answer your question. So for it to be well with them, what is God doing? Blessing. He's blessing them. Deuteronomy 28.
1: Them.
0: And you know the wonderful thing about it is God tells us what you can do to keep from getting judgment to keep from getting judgment poured out on you. And that's what Deuteronomy 28 is all about. In Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14 are all the blessings for obedience. So if you keep the commandments of God, back in Deuteronomy 5, he said, it will be well with you. Alright, so let's just look at some things that will be well with you. Verse 3, it says, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, talking about your offspring, the produce of the ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl, meaning you will never go hungry. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in, blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. So when God said, go in and take the land, and the people were obedient and said, okay, did they ever lose a battle? Never. Never lost a battle. Think about the children of Israel when they were going in and conquering the land with Joshua. All they had to do at Jericho was march around that wall seven times, shout, the wall fell down. Blow the horn, the wall fell down. Then they go to take a smaller city and they say, oh, this is a piece of cake. So they go to take the city of Ai and they got whooped. What happened? There was sin in the camp. So if you look down at verse 15, verse 15 through the rest of the chapter talks about all the curses for disobedience. So if you're being cursed, it's not well with you. It says, but, really it's just and, and it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, if you don't keep His commandments, if you don't love Him with all your heart, if you don't walk in all His ways, and you don't serve Him with all your heart and soul, it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to carefully observe all His commandments and His statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. Skip down to verse 36. It says, The Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods, wood, and stone. So part of the curse is that they're going to be sent into where? Captivity. Captivity. And in captivity, he said, you're going to go with your king that you set up over you. Now, the interesting thing about this, at the time that this was told to the people, they didn't have a king. They didn't have a king for 400 years. So that would be like somebody back in the 1600s making a prophecy that's going to only take place today. So imagine that time frame. So for it to not be well with them means that they're getting... The hand of God, the protection of God taken away from them. So when we break God's commandments and we purposely do things contrary to His word and don't keep His commandments and we don't love Him with all our heart, are things going to be well with us? So hopefully, did that answer your question? Okay. Okay. He yeah, and and to add to that, Proverbs twenty eight nine. Proverbs twenty eight nine. Proverbs twenty eight nine. It says, "One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination." So when you choose on purpose to turn away your ear from hearing God or if you think you're worshiping God in some way he told you not to worship him is he going to hear your prayer? No. no. Cuz think about all those people in Matthew 5, Matthew 7, sorry, Matthew 7 who say, "Lord, Lord, did we not do all of those things in your name?" What is God going to say to them on judgment day? He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So ultimately, it's not going to be well for them. So hopefully, does that answer your question? Blessing, blessing and cursing. Yep, that's, that's what it all comes down to, is the blessing of God, the curse of God. The earth. Yeah, the earth. I mean, God even curses the earth. I mean, if He tells the ground, don't grow anything, <laughs> it won't grow anything. You know, think about Elijah when Elijah through the through God said, It's not gonna rain until I say it's gonna rain. It went three years and didn't rain. And did the people repent? So, you know, like you said, it all goes to blessing and cursing.
2: Are you still in Proverbs twenty-eight? Yes. Look at verse thirteen.
0: Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. It says, He who covers his sin will not prosper but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy so what does that mean to confess and forsake your sin give me a, a one word answer for that repent. repent so to confess your sin and forsake them forsake you can almost say means to turn from your sin doesn't it it, does. it means to to turn away from it to go away from it to not do it again So, back in Deuteronomy 5.29, it says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me, and always, all of the days, keep my commandments. And notice it doesn't just say keep my commandments, it says keep all of my commandments. Which is fitting, because look at how Deuteronomy 6.1 begins. It says, now this is the commandment. So verse twenty nine back in Deuteronomy five says, All of my commandments, and then Deuteronomy six one begins, This is the commandment. So in God's eyes, what kind of separation between the commandments are there? None. There's not a single there's not a division. There's not a moral, ceremonial, judicial. It is the commandment. It is the Torah. It is the law. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Deuteronomy 6, 16. It says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Literally says, test. You shall not tempt or test the Lord your God as you tested Him in Massah. What did the people do at Massah? How did they disobey him? Uh, what, they yeah, they were complaining. Mo- Moses, we ain't got no water. We got yeah, we got this. And what did he And what did Moses do? Put a
1: stick in
0: it. A special stick. Yeah, he he God told him to speak to the rock, and what did he do?
1: Well, that, oh, that, I'm thinking of a different he hit the rock.
0: So yeah, yeah. He's, that, God bad. told him to speak to the rock, and what did he do to it? He
1: struck, he
0: it. struck the rock a second time, didn't he? Yeah. And what did God tell Moses? It's okay. No. You broke one commandment. It's okay. No. What did he tell him? You're not going into the land. And when Moses said, but, but, but they made me do it, God said, I don't want to hear another word about it. When God says no, God means no. Because what if, let's just say, as right, you know, how many commendations do we see for Moses in the scriptures? Many. many. I mean, the scripture says there wasn't a more humble man than Moses. But God told him no. So what if God had said, okay, just this one time, Moses, just this one time, I'll make an exception what would God have to do for everybody? He would have to make an exception. But also, what would that mean about God's Word? When God says, I don't change, I don't lie, I don't, I'm not a man that I should change my mind, what does He, say, what does he mean? I'm not going to change my mind. He said, verse 17, you, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. Do you see back in verse 17 where it says, You shall diligently keep? Surely. It's literally, it says, Keeping you shall keep. How strong of a statement is that? That's called an infinitive of emphasis. Keyword emphasis. So God is really putting emphasis on here. He's saying, Keeping you shall keep. Keep it more than you've ever kept anything in your life. Keeping you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God, His testimonies and His statutes, which which He has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord your God. You mean we can't do what's right and good in our own eyes? How does the book of Judges end? It says, and each man did what was right in his own eyes. Is that the way you want the book of your life written or ended? Mm -hmm. And each man did what was right in his own eyes? In the book of Proverbs it says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is what? Death. The end thereof is death. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you and that you go, may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. What else did Israel fail to do when they got into the land? That he told them to do. Kill them
1: all.
0: Yes, he said cast them out said, cast out all your enemies from before you. Did he say, make treaties with them? Nope. It's kind of like that saying, if you give a mouse a cookie, they won't glass, glass of milk. If you give somebody this much land, they're going to want
1: more land.
0: more land. Especially when you're trying to negotiate God's land. <coughs> Can you negotiate God's land? Nope. You cannot. Deuteronomy 7. <coughs> Deuteronomy 7 Verse 9 Still looking at the idea of keeping the commandments of God. It says therefore you sh- it says therefore know that the Lord your that the Lord your God he is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, I won't stop there for a moment. The word love and the word keep, those are participles. And remember, a participle is what kind of action? Continuous. continuous, ongoing action. So does this mean that he keeps covenant with people who used to love him, at one time kept his commandments, but now no longer do? Or is it ongoing, continuous action? Ongoing, continuous action. Now, there are several little nuggets here in verse 9. At the beginning it says, therefore know. It literally says, therefore you will know that the Lord your God, He is God. So, is there going to come a time when Israel is going to know for sure that God, the Lord, is God? Right. Absolutely. Romans eleven twenty six. 26 what, says what? And all Israel shall be, shall saved. be saved. Shall be saved. The faithful God. That word faithful is a nephal form. It literally means being faithful. How long will God be faithful?
2: Forever.
0: Forever. Forever. Being faithful who keeps commandments and mercy for a thousand generations with those who are loving Him and keeping His commandments. Verse 10. And He repays those who hate Him to their face. That word hate is also a participle. So those who are continually hating Him, those who are God's enemies, what does He say? I'll repay them to their face. When does that ultimately become fulfilled? At Armageddon. Who comes down and just speaks a word and the enemies of God are just... If you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, there you go. They just melt. To destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. That word "command" is a pl participle. That means he's strongly commanding. How many times do we see the word bear in the word in the book of Deuteronomy? Over and over and over again. So it's kind of like Moses sitting here saying, "You got to do it. You got to do it. And if you don't," You're going to have the curses. In verse
2: 9 where it says He is God, it literally says
0: He is the God. He is the God. Ha Elohim. Not
2: a God, but
0: the God. He is the God. And you know, why is that so important? Because if you read back, verse 9 started with a therefore. Mm -hmm. If you look back, it talks about how God redeemed them out of the land of Egypt. What was Egypt known for? Idolatry. It had a God for everything. There was a God of the frogs. There was a God of the fleas. There was a God of this. There was a God of that. And what is God saying in verse 9? He said, no. I am the God. I am God. There's no other. What is that in Hebrew? Ain't oed. There is no other. I like it because it sounds southern. Ain't oed. Ain't no other. Verse 12. It says, Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep them and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which He swore to your fathers. So notice this blessing for obedience is an if-then. If you do your part, then God will do what He promised. What if you fail to keep your part? Is he going to just welcome you into the kingdom, my good and faithful servant?
2: Nope.
0: Or will he say, depart from me, for I never knew you? Now, in verse 12, do you see, ca- then it shall come to pass, because. Do you see the word, because? Yep. That word in Hebrew is ekev. Ekev. E-ke- E-Q-E-V. Ekev. And it literally means a reward or a consequence. Based on what you choose. So it shall come to pass, if you keep the commandments of God, you're going to get what? A reward. What if you fail to keep the commandments of God? Consequence. And we read about that. Negative consequence. So we read about that in Deuteronomy 28. Alright, I see your wheels turning over there. What's up?
2: just thinking about the place in the book of Hebrews where it says without faith it's impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when you throw out a cap, it makes me think of that verse. Yeah. Is Hebrews
0: 11.6. So uh, Hebrews 11.6 goes right along. Can you see how they're just connected right there? Deuteronomy 7.12, Hebrews 11.6. So, I'm going to flip over there real quick. Hebrews 11.6. Because it really doesn't say pleased, does it? It does not. Hebrews 11.6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Literally, it says to walk with Him. Or to cause yourself to walk with Him. It's from the word heat ha But without faith, it's impossible to cause yourself to walk with Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. You have to believe that He is the God. And that He is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek Him. Those who crave Him. Those who you know, fear the Lord your God. That walk in all His ways. That serve Him with all their heart. That keep His commandments. That love Him. All the things that God requires. So what kind of disconnect do you see from what we call the Old Testament and what we call the New Testament? Is there a disconnect? No. Or is it the same thing all the way through? It's the same consistent message. So back in Deuteronomy 7 verse 12, it says, It shall come to pass because the choice you make, you it literally says you will listen to the judgments and you will keep and you will do that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which He swore to your fathers. So, if you're obedient, if you want the Lord to be your God, you will keep His commandments. You will do what He says to do. Because if you're going to call Him your God and not do what He says, is He your God? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and what? Not do the do the things which I say. Can you see Messiah saying that? Why do you call, why are you even wasting your breath calling me Lord, Lord? If you're not going to do a single thing, I say.
2: And you pointed out, verse nine begins with therefore. Yes, therefore it ties right back to verse six through eight. Holy people, see that word holy yes. that we see all over the New Testament.
0: Yeah, we see the word holy. And most of the time, holy refers to the who? The saints. Because right. the word saints is the Greek word hagios. The Greek word hagios literally means the holy ones. Right. So when we look through the scriptures, you notice you don't see, the they, they don't call themselves Christians. Right. They call themselves holy ones, saints. Mm-hmm. Because what characterizes the saints? They have the faith, of Yeshua, but they keep the commandments of God. Yep. That's what characterizes the saints. Is that what God is expecting of his people here in Deuteronomy chapter 7 to be strange. saints, to be holy ones, to be set apart? No difference. No difference. 1 Kings 8. 1 Kings. No difference. And what you'll notice is as we keep going through, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah here in just a moment. And the book of Nehemiah reads exactly the same way as what we've just read in Deuteronomy. Yeah. Cuz why were the people cast into captivity? Because they failed to keep what God told them to keep. First Kings 8. We're going to read verses 55 through 61. Might help if I was in First Kings and not Second Kings. 1 Kings 8. Ah, uh, this is this is some power packed verses right here. Verse 55, it says, Then he, talking about Solomon, then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. Do you see the word promised? Yep. That is the that is the Hebrew word debare. It's the same word, debar, that you see all the way through Deuteronomy. And what does debar mean? He spoke. Does it mean that he lightly suggested it? Oh, no. Debar means he spoke it. He pounded the podium and said, This is what I'm promising you, Israel, if. If you promise, if you do what I ask you to do, here's what you're going to get. And then. The next part I have bracketed in my Bible. It says, there has, and this is Solomon speaking. It says, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. So here's Solomon speaking, no doubt through the, um, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And what came out of the words of Solomon's? What, what words came out of Solomon's mouth? He said, there has not one word failed of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do you see in the, after, where it says, there has not failed one word? That word is devar. Of all his good promise, that word is also devar. Why they translated it promise, I don't know. What does devar mean? Word. So it literally says there, is not, there has not failed one word of all His good word. How much of God's word has failed? None. 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 How emphatically does, does God have to say it over and over and over and over in the Scripture before people will get it? Which he promised, and there again, that's the word debar, that spoke, which he pr- spoke through his servant Moses. Where did he speak it through, his mer- it through his servant Moses? All throughout the Torah. When it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, or the word of the Lord spoke to Moses saying, all of those different places. Verse 57 says, May the Lord, our God, be with us as He was with our fathers. May He not leave us nor forsake us. God will not forsake us if what? We keep
1: fighting. Fighting. Right. But
0: there again, does God forsake us or are well, we forsaking yeah, God? God is right where you leave Him. You just got to come back to Him.
1: Like when I leave my keys somewhere,
0: but... Yeah, they're right where you left them, Right is God faithful to forgive? He is. He is absolutely faithful to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. If. if what? If we repent. Confess. If we turn with our if we turn from our sin, if we confess our sin, it's just what we read in Proverbs 28. So we have to stop sinning, turn from our sin, but when we turn from our sin, who are we turning to? To God and do we
2: do right.
0: Okay. Go to Acts 26. This should, us saying this just sparked a verse in my head. Acts 26. Acts 26.
2: Verse 20?
0: 20. Yep. So this is Paul speaking to King Agrippa. Verse 20 it says... Acts 26.20, it says, But declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles. So, you mean this is is the same message, right? Right. The same message that was delivered to Jerusalem and then Damascus, Jerusalem, Judea. So, to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. It's the same message. What's the message? That they should what? Repent. Repent. Number two, turn to God. Number three, do works befitting repentance. So when somebody stands up and says, you do not have to repent, that's a work. What does Paul say? You've got to show
1: what's in your
0: heart. You gotta you gotta stop sinning. You're absolutely right. Because if I say I'm a believer, and I go out here and commit all kinds of heinous acts and sins. Mm-hmm. Then what does that say about my heart? My, my. No pain. Lant, pants on fire one of these days, right? Yeah. I, mean, if that's, I mean, if you don't repent. That's right. If you don't that's repent. A other it's a terrible witness. Because what are you telling them? Oh, if there are, you, how many people have you heard, heard? If they're a Christian, the woods are full of them. Yeah. You've heard people say that.
2: Yeah.
0: So how harmful of a testimony is it to call yourself a believer and then, do opposite. And then live like the world? Mm. It's too bad Paul did not say we should stop living like the Gentiles. It's too bad he didn't say that.
2: He
0: did. <laughs> did he say that? Ephesians 4.17. Let's go to Ephesians 4:17. Ephesians 4.17. Ephesians 4.17. When, he tells, when Paul says to stop living like Gentiles, what is he telling them to stop living like? Pagan idolaters, sinners, people who don't give one iota, one clue, one thought to God's ways. Ephesians 4.17, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the futility, that word futility means perverseness of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. What's alienated mean? No part. So can you continue living in sin and expect God to welcome you into the kingdom? If you live like the world, Paul says you are alienated from a life with God. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work what? All uncleanness with greediness. That's tri- What does that mean with greediness? That means you're worried more about the things of this world than you are the things of God. You are the things of God. And in verse 24 it says, and that you should put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Hebrews 12 says what? Without holiness no one will see God. I think the, the scripture is consistent from one end to the other. We cannot live a life of sin and expect to please God. We cannot. So in order to not live a lifestyle of sin, what do we have to know? we got to know what sin is. And we have to know what God expects. So here's what God expects. He expects you to love Him, to fear Him, to walk in His ways, to serve Him, and to keep His commandments. And if you're living a life of sin, then you cannot please God. You cannot straddle the fence. What does Revelation 3 say about the church of Laodicea? He said, I'd rather you be hot. I'd rather you be cold. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to what? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. About as graphic of a depiction as you can have. So, when you vomit something out of your mouth, is it something that you want in your mouth?
1: No.
0: So, what is God saying? I don't even want it in my mouth. So, don't be... Don't be lukewarm. Either be on fire or be stone cold. Because God does not want lukewarm. Because lukewarm means you're trying to take a little bit of God and a little bit of the world and conform it together. And what is that called? Syncretism. That's called syncretism. And Deuteronomy 12 says, don't do it. Don't worship me the way God, the other gods, these other pagan idolaters, the Gentiles worship their gods. All right, back to 1 Kings. Back to 1 Kings. Verse 58. First Kings 8:58. Sorry. First Kings 8:58. It says that he, okay. Let's just start back at 57. May the Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. May He not leave us nor forsake us, that He may incline our hearts to Himself, to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, which He commanded our fathers. So Solomon's prayer is, Lord, make our heart like Your heart. Incline our heart to be like Your heart. Make us be like you. Doesn't that sound just like David? David said, Lord, I want to be in your kingdom. Make my heart be like your heart. And what did God say about David? He said, He's a man after my own heart. Does that mean he was perfect? That mean does that mean he was without sin? I mean he committed some pretty heinous sins, some pretty I mean sins that, you know, you would have to Really, really, really repent. But what did David do? When, when Nathan said, you're the man, he repented. He repented on the spot. Sackcloth, cloth, ashes, <laughs> repented on the spot. And that means that's a man after God's own heart. When you know that you've sinned, repent. Turn from it. Turn from it. Verse 59. It says, and may these words of mine with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel. It literally says maintain the judgment of his servant and the judgment of his people Israel. It doesn't say cause, it says judgment. As each day may require. Verse 60, That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God there is no other how would you say that ain ode or ain no other verse 61 let your heart therefore be loyal to the lord our god to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as it is this day and when the people did that what did god do he blessed, blessed them beyond measure blessed them beyond measure what does solomon's name mean shlomo it means what his yes. peace How much peace did Solomon see in his kingdom? It was a kingdom of peace until 700 wives, 300 concubines, and then here come all those pagan idols. And it doesn't take long because it starts in chapter 11. Let's go to Nehemiah. So we're going to fast forward past all of this. Go to Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. Or Nehemiah whatever your preferred pronunciation is. Being from the south, I'll say Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1. The prayer starts of Nehemiah in verse 5. Look at how his prayer starts. And he just gets right to it. He says, and I said, this is talking about Nehemiah, he says, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who what? Keep your covenant and mercy with those who what? Love you and observe your commandments. Isn't that straight from the Ten Commandments? You keep your mercy with thousands of generations to those who love you and keep your commandments. That's a great way to start off a prayer. Go to verse 8. Go to verse 8. It says, remember... I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying If you are unfaithful I will scatter you among the nations but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts under the heavens yet I will gather them there gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. When is this ultimately fulfilled?
2: When Messiah returns.
0: When Messiah returns. At this point when Nehemiah is speaking, had his people been scattered to the farthest parts under heaven? Not yet. Not yet. That didn't come until the Roman diaspora. That didn't come quite yet. But this is what we call a dual fulfillment. Were the people regathered back to the land after the Babylonian captivity? Yes, they were. were. God was faithful. He said they're going to be in captivity 70 years. What if they were in captivity 71 years? They weren't. weren't. God wouldn't let it happen. But I want you to look back at verse 8. Look at where, after the word saying, what do you notice about the word if? It's in italics. So, take out if. What did God tell them? He said, you are unfaithful. Literally, let me read the literal translation of verses 8 and 9. What God told the people through Moses. Listen to the literal translation as you read along. God told them through Moses. He said, you will be unfaithful. I will scatter you in the nations. And you will return to me. And you will keep my commandments. And you will do them if you were being cast out in the ends of the heavens. From there I will gather and I will bring them back to the place which I have chosen for a dwelling. My name is there. So, listen how direct God was with the people. He did not fluff this up in any way. He told them, he said, you will be unfaithful. You will. I will scatter you to the nations. We read that in the book of Deuteronomy. Because remember Deuteronomy 30 says, when you've received the blessing and the curse, then I'm going to bring you back. Yep. So how did God know that the people were going to do all of this? He knows everything. He's God. He said, this is going to happen. You're going to do it. But then I'm going to bring you back. Because you're going to return to me. So he said, you will be unfaithful. You know that from reading the curses, because he said, I'm going to put you and the king who you set over you. the king. Oh, by the way, the king you don't have for 400 more years. I'm going to put him and I'm going to put all of you in captivity. So you will be unfaithful and I will scatter you in the nations and you will return to me. That's what Deuteronomy 30 is all about. Once you've received the blessing and once you've received the curse, I will bring you back. Was that a maybe? Was that a, this could happen? Or will it happen? It will happen. Doesn't this read an awful lot like the prayer Daniel prayed? Go to uh, Daniel chapter 4. Chapter 9, verse 4. Daniel chapter 9. I want you to look at how Daniel's prayer begins. Nehemiah's prayer began, O Lord, who keep who are faithful and keep the covenant with those who love you and keep your commandments. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. It says, and I prayed, this is talking about Daniel, it says, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant... And mercy with those who what? Love Love Him and with those who keep His commandments. It's the same prayer. It begins the same way. What is this a prayer of? Repentance. This is a prayer of repentance. Why was Daniel praying this prayer? Because what did he realize through the reading of the book of Jeremiah? That 70 years had already come to an end. So Daniel was making confession on behalf of the people. And what was Nehemiah doing? He was doing the same thing. And what happened after both prayers? Did God sit there and go? God moved. God moved. God moved. Absolutely. God moved. Psalm 78. So, just in the few verses we've read, how important is it to God that we keep His commandments?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Would you say it's a matter of life and death? Yeah.
1: Ah,
0: yes. It's too bad Paul in the New Testament did not say the only thing that matters is keeping the commandments of God. Read
1: it again. You missed it first time. Go back and read it.
0: What's that? He did say it. Oh, he did say it. Where did he say circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters? Where did he say that? 1
2: Corinthians.
0: Corinthians,
1: Corinthians chapter Six, seven, seven <laughs> I
0: like it. chapter 7, verse 19. It's close, right? Hey, you know, chapter six says if you're doing all these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God.
2: That's right. Who what?
0: Chapter 6 yeah. says if you're doing all these things, these ungodly things, right. you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven.
2: That's
1: verses 9 and 10. Yeah. That's what them that's what them folks out yonder saying. What's that? That you're not going to miss it. They can say the opposite.
0: Okay, well, let's read what the, let's read what the Scripture says. Alright, let's go back to chapter 6. So chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, verse 9, says, Do you not know that the unrighteous... What's another word for the unrighteous? Lawless. The lawless. Those who keep, do not keep the commandments of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul, is, he's getting straight to it. He said, if you are lawless, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did Messiah say the same thing? He said, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice what? Lawlessness. Lawlessness. It says, do not be deceived. Are there going to be people that say, you can do all of these things and God doesn't care? Absolutely. Neither fornicators... Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Period. Period.
2: Unless.
0: Unless what? Unless they repent. And And look at the. Yep, and look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. That means people listening to Paul teach, there was a representative from each of those groups. So can people come out of homosexuality? Absolutely. Can people come out of being an alcoholic? Absolutely. Can people stop worshiping idols? Absolutely. All of these things here, you can stop. It says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Yeshua. And is that Lord an adjective? No. no. That is the Lord, the tetragrammaton. The name of the Lord Yeshua and by the Spirit of our God. So, Paul is saying, you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were declared righteous. In the name of God. So think about that. Think about how powerful that is. Those people whose lives were characterized by these things are now declared righteous. And what did it take? Repentance. It took repentance. Chapter 7 verse 19. It says, Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't matter whether you were born a Jew, whether you were born a non-Jew. It makes no difference in the eyes of God. God judges what the heart. The heart. Sin is sin. No matter who commits it, is sin. What does that verse twenty
1: mean?
0: let each of you, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called that means literally if you're he said he said back in verse 18 he said was anyone called while circumcised let him not become uncircumcised was anyone called while circumcised let him not become circumcised in other words like if you're like don't go back and forth like if you're a Jew don't try to be a Gentile like it's like what matters? There's not a separ- two separate groups. In the eyes of God, what matters? And the,
2: the Pharisees were teaching, you have to be circumcised to be saved. Right. And Paul's saying, don't fall into that trap.
0: Right. Don't fall into that trap. And that, and that, fa- that goes right along too with Romans 2, what we read last week. He said, if, a cir- if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, mm-hmm. his uncircumcision is counted as what? Sorry, circumcision. So in the eyes of God, what matters? is circumcision of the heart, the, heart. the heart. That's what matters. Because if you're circumcised in the flesh, that's a promise mm-hmm. that you're going to keep the commandments. So what if you're circumcised in the flesh and you don't keep the commandments? It, of God? Counts it counts as uncircumcision. So he's saying this is what matters. Circumcision of the heart. So that's what it means. Remain in the same calling. Like, Don't, don't look at the physical... Look at the spiritual right. circumcision of the heart. Now, so some
1: people, some people try and use that to say, i just, just keep on doing what I'm
0: doing." Well, you know, people also use First um, Corinthians to also say Paul became a Gentile so he could win Gentiles. You know, Paul became he went he became a drunkard so he could, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Well, like people, drunkard, yeah. people just use scripture out of context. So you have to look at the whole context. What's the whole context of this talking about? God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at your physical descendants. He looks at your heart. Because Romans 9 says, not all Israel are called Israel. Right. So, who is Israel in the eyes of God? Those who
1: keep his Those
0: who have the faith of Abraham. Yeah. Wasn't
2: that
0: Romans 2? Romans 9. Romans, 9? Romans 2 also says, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but is one inwardly. But Romans 9 says, They're not all Israel who call themselves Israel. So look at Romans 9. Romans 9, verse 6. But is it not that the word of God has taken no effect? For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. So that ties back to what Paul said back in 1 Corinthians 7.19. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters? Keeping the commandments commandments of God. And you're going to keep the commandments of God according to Deuteronomy 10 if you have a what? If you have a circumcised heart. That's the key. Verse 8, it says, that is those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, what's significant about that? She was old. She was old, but who did the promise go to? Isaac. It went to Isaac. Did it go to Ishmael? (laughs) No. No. Ishmael was the work of their hands. God, we're going to help you accomplish your, your will. You're kind of moving too slow for our taste, God, so we're going to help you. And how well did that work out? It didn't work out very well at all. But when Isaac was born, that's the son of the promise. That's the child of faith. That's the one born out of faith. Ishmael represents the work of our hands, Isaac represents faith, having faith. Having faith. Absolutely. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Verses 5 through 8. You know what? We might as well start at verse 1. Might as well. well. Because verse 1's got... This is power-packed. In order to get the context of 5 through 8, let's do verse 1. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. What's the parallelism there? My law
2: and the words of
0: my mouth. My law, the words of my mouth. So the words that came out of God's mouth, those words that 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, were God-breathed. What can we call them? That's His law. Verse 2, it says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings or riddles of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. You know, stories that have been passed down. We thought they were stories. But what is God saying here? That there's more to them than just a story. It's kind of like the book of Psalms. How many people think about the book of Psalms as just songs? Yeah. But what are, the, what are the Psalms chock, chock full History. of? Prophecy. History, prophecy. Stuff that teaches us that we should be keeping the law, and here's why. Verse 3, it says, Which we have known and heard, and our fathers have told us. Verse 4, We will not hide them from our children, telling them to the generation to come. Ah... What's it say? L'ador Haron. What's that mean? The last. the last generation. So when will all these things of God, these mysteries of God, these dark sayings really start to become known to the last generation? The closer we get to the day of the Lord how much of the Scripture and how much prophecy will begin to become fulfilled? More and more and more and more and our understanding will become more and more and more. Just like the book of Daniel. Daniel 12.4, it says, people will run to and fro and knowledge shall what? Be increased. increased. Shall be increased. It says, and we will not hide them from our children telling, talking about the, the parables. Literally it says, causing them to know To the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. So, verse 5 says, For He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that we should make them known to our children. Literally it says, cause them to know. What is, what is it the fathers should have caused the children to know? Look back at verse 1. The law, the s- words of his mouth, those stories that were passed down were more than just stories.
1: And also, I think the first two words, give
0: ear. Yeah, give ear. Listen give to ear. it. I mean,
1: that, that's, that's not just, you know, listen to what's going on and be doing something else over here and kind of half and half in between. Right. That says give ear.
0: That means what?
1: Diligently listen, pay attention, put everything else aside. Right.
0: And, you know, Literally, don't be, yeah. Don't be multitasking. Don't be multitasking, right.
2: Deuteronomy 6, teach them to your teach
1: children.
0: Teach them to your children, <laughs> <laughs> right. Verse 6, it says that the generation to come... That last generation? It's the last generation. I was waiting for Wayne says that the generation to come, it literally says, "Lador the last generation, that the last generation might know them. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children.
2: But if you're telling them to the last generation, it means they've been told from the beginning all the way down through the line.
0: Right, right.
2: Never stop telling.
0: Right. Verse 7. It says that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. So if these things are retold over and over and over, it's kind of like what we do every Friday night when we remember the Sabbath. We're retelling the story. That's what a zicharon is. We're retelling the story of the Sabbath over and over. Why? So we don't forget the works of God. So we may set our hope in God. It shows our faith in God but keep His commandments. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. You know, I find this interesting. This ties right to Jeremiah where it says, our fathers have inherited lies. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, 16. Jeremiah 16. You know, how many people do you hear say, I do such and such because my daddy did such and such. My grandpappy did such and such. So I'm going to do this. Well, what if your fathers or your grandfathers had inherited lies? Are you going to continue the same lies? Or are you going to break free of that and do what God actually says? Mm -hmm. So think about Jeremiah 16 where it says, Our our fathers have inherited Mm -hmm. lies, so they realized that their fathers had inherited lies, and were passing those lies down. So what was their job? Once they came to that knowledge and that understanding, what was their job to do? To repent and to turn from it. To not continue in it. Psalm 89. You've said it a lot. God does not have grandchildren. God does not have grandchildren. We are responsible for our own selves come judgment day. But we are to share our knowledge with others and if we have children, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to teach them the way they should go. Because one of these days, they're going to come to an age of accountability.
1: Salvation.
0: There's no shirt-tail salvation. They're going to come to an age of accountability. And when they're accountable for their own sins, they're on their own. They're an adult. Psalm 89, normally we come for verse 34, and that's what we're here for. But we're going to start at verse 30. If his sons, talking about the seed of David, verse 30, Psalm 89, 30, it says, If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then... I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from Him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So now that you hear the whole context of all that, when God says, my covenant I will not break, what is He saying? He's saying the Messiah will come one of these days because my line will continue through Him. But what does this show about the faithfulness of God? If the line of David will never be cut off, how faithful will God be to all of his promises? So if God says something, if he makes a covenant, if he says something, how confident, how sure can we be in what he says?
2: Absolutely. You can take it
0: to the bank. You can take it to the bank. Psalm 103 Psalm 103 Psalm 103 is one of those psalms where everybody says it. Because Psalm 103 begins, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not His benefits. How many times have you heard people quote these verses? They read Psalm 103 from 1 all the way down to 16. And stop. Because how does verse 17 begin? But. But, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Period. Nope. On those who... Oh, okay, okay, okay. On those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children to such as what? Keep Keep His covenant and to those who remember, that means keep, that's Shemar. Keep His covenants to what? To do them. them. And keep and remember, guess what kind of words those are? Participles. Those are participles. So to those who keep, those who are keeping His covenant and those who are remembering His commandments to do them. So, if we look at some of these parts in here, it says, The Lord, forget not all His benefits. Verse 3, it says, Who forgives all our iniquities, who heals our diseases, who redeems our lives from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. The Lord has so many benefits and so many blessings. But who is it for? Where's the subgroup? Where does it begin? Is this an all-encompassing blessing? 17. Right. Verse 17 is the caveat. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And we know what it means to fear him. That's what God requires. That's one of his requirements from Deuteronomy 12, or Deuteronomy 10. And his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them.
2: So, how would you say in Hebrew, from everlasting to everlasting?
0: Um Mean Ha Olam vah ha olam. Yeah. And
2: we sing that regularly here and yep. people just need to associate it with Psalm one oh three.
0: That's it. I was singing the song in my head, you know that, right? Mean yeah. Ha Olam vaha Baha vah Yeah. OK, yeah. Okay, what song? It, it Baruk Adonai Elohag Israel, blessed is or it's number thirty two. Number 32 in the psalm book. Min ha'olam vod ha'olam. That means from everlasting to everlasting. That literally means from one forever to the next forever. How how long is one forever to the next forever? Forever. Forever. Forever Forever and ever and ever. Or as Randy Travis would say it, forever and ever amen, right? That's it. So... Min olam vod ha'olam. So any way you slice it, any way you dice it, God's mercy is forever to who? To those. to those who fear Him, keep His commandments, and keep His covenant, love Him with all their heart. So basically, this is a reiteration of Deuteronomy 10. If you do these things, then my mercy, all these blessings that you just read for 16 verses... Will be on you. It's
2: the same as Revelation
0: fourteen twelve. Same as Revelation fourteen twelve. Here's the patience of the saint. That might come up in just a moment. Okay, sorry. Psalm one nineteen. You just peeking at my notes, aren't you? Sorry. Psalm one nineteen, verse sixty. I would say we normally come to Psalm one nineteen for a certain verse, but really we come to Psalm one nineteen for pretty much every verse here, because every verse teaches about Torah.
2: Every one,
0: every single one. Psalm one nineteen verse one or verse sixty, it says, "I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments." But
1: fifty nine's important
0: too. They're all important. Verse 59, it says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I, did, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. So, so that's it. So if we turn our feet to his testimonies, what are we turning away from?
1: Unrighteousness.
0: Unrighteousness. We're turning away from sin. So Psalm 119, 160, we should have the same attitude as David and rush to keep his commandments. That should be our heart's desire. So what happens if we say, oh, the law has been abolished, it's no more? What if we say, it's void? That's
2: 126. That's,
0: yeah, that's verse 126, Psalm 119, verse 126. It says, it is time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. So when people start calling God's law irrelevant no more and it doesn't matter if they call themselves a believer or not what does the scripture say
1: Even the devil believe and tremble.
0: that's it but it says when they start regarding his law as void what is he going to start doing yeah, he he's going to start him. acting to it says it's time for you to act oh lord proverbs 3 proverbs 3 Verses 1 and 2. Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. It's about as clear as you can get. You want for your good. First John. 1 John chapter (coughs) 2, verses 3 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, now by this we know that we know Him. What does it mean to know God? To To have eternal life. John 17, three. John 17, 3. How many words do we just gloss over and not give a single thought about? You know, it's just, it's it's so important. Every word in that Scripture means something. It can be the word if. It can be the word the. It can be a phrase such as we know Him. So understanding what it means to know God, that means To have eternal life. So, we could read it this way. By this we know that we have eternal life. If we keep His commandments, when are you going to keep His commandments? Is that when you have an uncircumcised heart or a circumcised heart? When your heart is circumcised. That's Deuteronomy 10. You're only able to do those things if your heart is circumcised. Verse 4 says... He who says, I know him, or I have eternal life, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. What is truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, Torah. And Yeshua said in John fourteen six, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and, by, and, no, and nobody can come to the Father except by me, me. Yep. by him. Verse 5, it says, But whoever keeps his word truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So that means we should imitate Messiah. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Imitate me as I imitate Messiah. So let's say if... Messiah kept Sabbath, and we're supposed to imitate Messiah, what should we do? Keep the Sabbath. Sabbath. Did Yeshua come to abolish the law, or come to teach it correctly, come to fully preach the gospel? He came to fully preach, to teach it correctly. So if that's the case, how should we walk? We should walk in the same way. Fashion.
2: Do you see that word abides in verse 6? Yep. Doesn't it make you think of John 15? Yep. What happens to the branches that don't abide in the vine?
0: They're cut off and cast into, the vine. cast into the fire. They're not just cut off, they're cut off and cast into the fire.
1: There's no veil there.
0: There's no veil. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. They
1: didn't use them to make baskets.
0: Nope. <laughs> if they make a basket out of it, it's still cast into the fire. Now, in verse 3, do you see the word keep? Yep. That word keep is the Greek word tereo, T-E-R-E-O, tereo. Greek word 5083 It's tereo, and that is the Greek equivalent to shamar. That's the Greek equivalent to shamar or not which both mean to keep. So tereo is just a Greek equivalent of shamar. So, is it the same Shemar that we saw all the way through the Old Testament that said, Keep my commandments, guard my commandments, make them the the longing of your heart? Yes, it's the same word. It's the same word. And chapter 1, verse 6
2: goes right along with
0: it. Chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That means we do not practice Torah. 1 John 3. 1 John 3. And you know, y'all, the wonderful thing about all this, I'm not making any of this up. It is right here. All I'm doing is just opening the Scripture and reading it. I'm not adding anything to it. It is right here. So, if anybody tries to say that God changes his mind, God has a new law, that old law that didn't work, so God had to come up with a plan B, there are no plan B's. In the eyes of God, there is a plan. And it's it's His plan, and it's being carried out perfectly. Is that Psalm
2: 119, verse 85?
0: It says forever, O Lord. It's verse 89. Eighty nine. So Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Let's look at it. Just keep a finger in 1 John 3, your neighbor's finger, a pencil, a bookmark. You get the idea. Psalm 119 verse 89. Wait for y'all to get there says, for a little while, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven.
2: Forever. Forever.
0: What's it say? Forever. 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 And remember what we read back in Psalm 103. It said, your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Min ha'olam, vod ha olam, From everlasting to everlasting. So how long is from everlasting to everlasting? How long is forever? It's forever. So forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Notice there's not an asterisk next to it that says until Messiah comes. No, nope,
2: Matthew 4.4 4 were Messiah's words.
0: Yeah, and where was he quoting from? From Deuteronomy. From Deuteronomy. He frequently quoted from Deuteronomy. Yep. And you know, I brought this up last week. All the apostles in their epistles quoted from the Old Testament, particularly from the Torah. And I brought up the observation, if this was a dead book, why are they quoting from it? Alright. right, First John 3. First John 3, verses 22 through 23. It says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Doesn't that sound just like Proverbs 28.9? If we pray and it's in God's will, Mm -hmm. our prayers are answered. Verse 23, it says, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Yeshua the Messiah, and love one another as He gave us commandment. So, when we ask from God, and I have this bracketed in my, in my Bible, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, when it says keep His commandments, surely that's just talking about that one commandment, you know, love, love one another. You know, I give you one commandment. He didn't say I give you one commandment. He said I give you a new commandment, and he meant that kind of sarcastically because where does it say love your neighbor as yourself? It says it in Leviticus 19.18. Yeah, it says it in Leviticus 19.18. So did he really say I'm giving you the 11th commandment? No. No. He did not mean that. He said, because John says the same thing back in 1 John 2. Verse 8, he says, Again, a new commandment I write to you, which this thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So he's saying the same thing. And if you look back at verse 7, it says, The old commandment is the word which you've heard from the beginning. So when he says, I give you a new commandment,
2: Kindness,
0: yeah. Not yeah, he's saying, why don't you try it? Yeah. Try doing it. Mm-hmm. Try doing the commandment. But, you know, if you think about it, when you come to Torah, it is new to you. It is new. It's refreshed. It's something new. It's something you're you're looking at the Scriptures in a refreshed manner, in a way you've never seen it before. All right, Revelation 12. Revelation 12. Verse 17. Revelation 12:17 and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. who what? Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah yep. Not one or the other, but do both because to have the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah that's salvation. that's faith, that's faith, that's circumcision of the heart. but how do you demonstrate that faith by your, work. by keep, by your works, by keeping the commandments? All right, Revelation 14, 12. Revelation 14, 12. It says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. That word keep is a participle. Keep is a participle. Those who are keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Yeshua. So, what happens if they stop? Keeping the commandments. And stop having faith. They're not holy anymore. Nope. They're not considered saints. Because remember, saints, hagios, in Greek, literally means what? The holy ones. The holy ones. The set apart ones. And that word patience in verse 12, where it says, here is the patience of the saints. That word patience is hyponymy. Huponyme. H-Y-P-O-M-O-N-E. H-Y-P-O-M-O-N-E. Huponymy. And it's Greek word 5281, and it literally means endurance. Endurance. Because when does this all take place? This takes place right in the thick of the tribulation period. So, in order to... Keep and keep that participle action, that action of keeping the commandments. What must one have? Besides just patience, you have to have endurance. Sounds a whole lot like what Paul would say, right? Finish the race. Endurance. Finish the race. Alright, we're going to conclude with Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verses 13 through 14. I, kind of, I have this bracketed in my Bible. And if I, if I could put a heading with it, my Bible put the heading, The Whole Duty of Man. If I put a title or a heading above 13 and 14, I would call this the summation of the Scriptures. Because this is how the whole Scriptures... The whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, can be summed up in these two verses. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What is that word? Devar. Devar. What does devar mean? Word. 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 So, let us hear the conclusion of the whole word. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. That means this is what we should be focused on. This is what we should be doing. This should be our goal in life. Verse 14, For God, because here's why, for God will bring every work into judgment, whether, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So what is this telling us right here? In those two verses, it's saying keep the commandments of God out of love, out of faith, because that's your goal in life. That's your duty. Because one of these days, God is going to judge you including every secret thing, whether it was good or whether it was evil. So when you keep that in the forefront of your mind, you're going to sin a little bit less. And that's what God's intention is for us, is to stop sinning and keep His commandments and return to God.